Welcome back to another bonus episode of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen a series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free where I give my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Goblin Slayer Goblin's Crown. Released in 2020 by Studio White Fox, it has a runtime of 85 minutes and comes in both sub and dub. I watched the sub version. With the holidays just around the corner, I thought what sort of festive anime could I put out as December's bonus episode? Blood is red, goblins are green, so we have the Christmas color scheme. Goblins are similar to the El Santa employees, but instead of making toys for the girls and boys, ravaging and torture is what brings them joy. The setting is winter so there's lots of snow, the protagonist uses a different sleigh than Santa, ho ho ho. This is the worst poem you've ever had to listen to, now let's get on with the review. When I pulled up Goblin's Crown on Crunchyroll, I couldn't have been more excited that it was 85 minutes long. I was so pumped to be getting a full length film, so imagine my disappointment when I turn it on and the first 25 minutes is a complete recap of season 1. Now if you watched Goblin Slayer when it first came out, this retelling may have been a nice reminder of things you've forgotten. Unfortunately for me, I just watched Goblin Slayer for a third time in preparation for the review I did on it. Check that out, it's the first episode of Anime Deep Dive. So the first third of this film had no value to me. A fun fact before I actually talk about the movie, me and my boy Blase watched it at the same time but we were at our own houses. We communicated by text during our viewing, but I was maybe 10 minutes ahead of him, so I thought it was funny he'd shoot me a message like, oh, that kill was awesome, and I'd be like, yeah, wait till they're running down the mountain, and he'd be like, what? The film starts in a snowy battle with a group of unknown adventurers holding their own against some goblins. This fight had some fun camera movement, a goblin got a knife through one ear and out the other, and the lightning attack and slow motion shot was awesome. It reminded me of the slow motion rotation in Goblin Slayer's battle against the champion. Goblin's Crown premise is actually what it should have been, a group of idiot adventurers underestimate a horde of goblins and get brutally murdered for their overconfidence. There will be one survivor saved by Goblin Slayer to carry the guilt of what happened and live with the emotional damage for the rest of their life. Goblin Slayer will fix the practical and some of the psychological issues the goblins have inflicted by doing what he does best, killing them. In their opening fight, Goblin Slayer looks like he's at a carnival playing whack-a-goblin with a club. The priestess has gotten better, she fends off three goblins and stops them from escaping, keeping Goblin Slayer's score on the combo counter going. When the elf hesitated firing and only hit the goblin in the arm, I was like what is this garbage? Then I thought he had put the arrowhead in him intentionally to leave a blood trail to track the goblin back to the nest. The actual reason was the tip was poison and would rot the goblin flesh. This sickness would be passed on to the other goblins in the nest, thinning out their numbers. Just like goblins do, they took that tactic and used it themselves in such a short amount of time, even Goblin Slayer was impressed they picked up on it so quickly. Goblin Slayer hasn't changed, he kept his straightforward personality. When the girl awoke and asked where are my friends, he quickly hit her with the, they're dead. When she wanted to come back with him, he said whatever, I'm not your parent or friend, pay me up front. Goblin Slayer's blackened armor with the red accents was so deadly looking, I just don't see how it disguises who he is, it's the same build just a different color. As I mentioned in my review for Goblin Slayer the series, the backup crew are fine, but I'm just not really invested in them. They do enough to be valuable as party members, but if it was just the main goblin killing machine and the priestess, I wouldn't mind. With that being said, one of the biggest piss-offs I had with this movie is the high elf archer gets shot in the leg with an arrow. 
She's being uncharacteristically stationary. This made no sense for her to be hit with an arrow, especially when that's her specialty. Now, if Dwarf Shaman got hit, yeah, of course, he's old and slow, no complaints. Lizard Priest takes a shot to the thigh. He's a big dude in a little cave. I can accept it. But High Elf Archer is the most agile. Earlier, she was jumping from cabin to cabin, doing twirls in the air while sniping moving targets. That's the person who gets hit? Come on, story writers. The new female introduced is called Noble Fencer. Seeing as there's nothing noble about her, I'm just going to call her Fence Post because she's as smart as one. Fence Post is a horrible leader who brought her comrades to death with terrible strategy. They turned on her pretty quickly once the food and firewood got low. One of the coolest details in this film is when the goblins throw the male's decapitated heads at her and she can't draw her sword as it's been frozen in the sheath. Bringing Fence Post along to the dwarf ruins was the stupidest idea ever. All she did was cause problems and didn't contribute a thing because she was too scared. Upon entry, she was rocking the boat, then loses her shit damn near blowing the element of surprise. Because of her being unable to keep her emotions in check, the lovely priestess gets her face cut. Where was all this fight before when the goblins wrecked her shit? She didn't even try then. When I saw the goblin paladin, I was like, yes, I want to see a legit back and forth sword fight with both of these armored fools. And it delivered. Goblin Slayer makes his way running across the castle walls with fence posts slowing down, failing to protect the rear. And it wouldn't be Goblin Slayer unless he threw his sword to kill a goblin at a less than ideal time. Using the weak spot in his shield to disarm the paladin and making it rain blood after he sliced his neck was awesome. And the priestess comes in clutch with protection, diverting the snow away from her party in the avalanche. Now Fence Post is the reason Goblin Slayer and friends arrive at the nest. With her being a main focal point, I felt the movie set up a few different things with her that were either forgotten about or just never explained. First thing is her sword. She was obsessed with getting that thing back the entire time she was in the castle. The opening title was her sword frosting over in the cold weather while the logo appeared. Goblin Slayer, while on the edge of a mountain during an avalanche, risked his life to save the sword for her. And it's never expanded on why it was of value or importance. If it was just a metaphor for her getting what the goblins took back from her, that is so stupid. The way it was showcased, I thought it would have been a key to something. Next, the moon brand on the back of her neck. It burns at the most inconvenient time she gave away their position and all hell broke loose. It's never explained why Fence Post had it. Other goblin survivors were all rescued without an emblem. She was on an altar when they found her, so I thought maybe it was like part of the ritual for crowning the goblin paladin, but the ceremony just went on without her. And it's not like that brand was ever removed, so will it just continue to burn randomly or when goblins are near? Another issue I had with this film is it relied on 3D models a lot more often than the series did. Where it blended in the season, the computer-generated shots really stood out in the film, especially during the coronation ceremony of the Goblin Paladin. Nitpicks If you say, oh, oopsie, in a battle, you deserve to die. The priestess wasting a second miracle in the cave just to kill two additional goblins seem unintelligent. While camping out after getting supplies, Fence Post puts her extra firewood in the snow, getting it wet. It won't burn if you do that, dummy. During the final shot on the mountain, the surviving hostages are with one of Lizard Priest's skeleton creatures. How are they not terrified or at least confused on what's happening? Best Girl Waifun Harem Best Girl is the priestess. She has really grown and can handle her own. She was smacking goblins left and right with her staff. She didn't require nearly as much direction when it came to casting miracles. I loved her scarf and winter outfit, and she was the one keeping fence posts in line and stopped her from really going off. The priestess was also the only one who went out in the cold to pull an all-nighter with Goblin Slayer to watch his back. Unfortunately, the priestess cannot be a waifu, way too young, and no one from this series would be in my harem. Final thoughts. 
I love me some Goblin Slayer, so any animated extras I get will be appreciated. With that being said, did I love the film? No. Was it what I expected? No. Was it still nice to see more of these characters and watch goblins get slaughtered? Damn right it was. Check out Goblin Crown if you're a fan of this series. You'll get a kick out of this film. Alright, that's going to be it for this month's bonus review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.